Some years back, I attended a function at the University of Colorado. It had been set up by an ex-mortgage trader, and among the speakers was Dick Fold of Lehman Brothers fame. Dick was a big Hillary supporter and made his super bearish speech about how Trump would crash the markets as soon as he took office. After he was done, he fielded questions from the audience, which was a mixture of CFAs, professors, and local students. One student asks him, how did you promote diversity at Lehman? Dick answers that he invoked executive authority to hire 50 minority interns. After doing so, he then took top management aside and said, if the first minority student quits, your bonus gets cut by 25%. Second one that quits, your bonus is cut by 50%. Third one quits, you're fired. Now this is obviously bullshit. Fold just made the whole thing up to impress a bunch of douchebaggy college kids. But let's put a pin in Dick for now and move on. A succinct description of the great financial crisis is simply that the system lent too much money to people who could not afford such debts, primarily in the U.S. and mostly for mortgages. This continued over a long period of time, because easy money drove up prices, making the populace feel richer than they were. Meantime, the mortgage providers had less reason to worry about the risk of default, because they could sell their loans to investment banks like Lehman, which then chopped them up and repackaged them into even more complex financial products. Asset managers were keen to buy them because central banks were keeping rates low, and these new instruments offered better returns. For protection, the funds relied on the insurance giant AIG. In turn, AIG trusted the credit rating agencies. As time went on, the products became more complicated, but the AAA ratings kept coming. Meantime, banks like Lehman kept some of these on their balance sheets or hid them in so-called offshore tax havens. The accountants failed to see these or thought it was fine, or looked the other way, as did regulators and politicians. Eventually, it became clear that millions of Americans would not meet their financial obligations, and investors had to take big losses. Banks, too, had kept these products. The products had become mind-bogglingly difficult to value, as had the vehicles where the banks had placed them. The question was whether the buffers would be big enough to protect them. At Lehman, they were not, and institutions stopped lending to each other. The system was gripped with fear until central banks pumped unprecedented amounts of cash in and guaranteed the banks. In the middle of this shit show, Lehman called a big meeting at the Sheridan, and there was a large contingent of former Newburger Berman people there. Those guys were a class act, but sold with a five-year lock on their shares, so a fair amount of their wealth was being washed down the toilet. Dick Fold was droning on about what good value the stock is right now and how everyone should buy more shares to support the price and show confidence in their company. So one Newburger guy says to Fold, Hey, show some leadership. Why don't you buy $30 million in stock if it's such a big opportunity? And Fold replies that he'd have to ask his wife to sell some art. Now everyone already hated Fold because he'd overruled the board on casual Fridays. He's an easy target. Not necessarily a bad person, just horrible judgment. No limits and no consideration of others. Instead, I have a couple other executives in mind for this story. So where do we begin? Let's start at the beginning. Lehman was founded all the way back in the mid-19th century by Henry Lehman, an immigrant from Germany. Originally just a general store, eventually his brothers joined him, giving birth to Lehman Brothers in 1850. Skip forward to when this story takes place, and it's the fourth largest investment bank in America. Lehman was on a roll, an exceptional place to work. 
The first time I was in their new office, it was after two traders, let's call them Dale and Brennan, invited me to their annual St. Paddy's celebrations. Dale was the master of ceremonies for St. Paddy's at Lehman, and the sort of Wall Street character who doesn't exist anymore. A real old-time Irish gent. Funny as hell, but a rough sort of bloke. The sort of guy who would push you into the urinal if you didn't have a hand up against the wall. Legend has it he once had a neighbor's house aluminum-sided as a practical joke. Back then, it wasn't unusual to have an Irish Catholic running risk. That generation has long since been replaced by something smarter, like an Asian or a computer. Dale loved St. Paddy's. He used to bring an Irish band in full guard through the trading floor. Just that level of effort impressed me when I walked in. But in no time, hip flasks are also out, and his partner Brennan is pouring whiskey into red cups. This is supposed to be an investment bank, a cornerstone of the financial system. Yet everyone is losing their minds. The only obstacle to chaos was a new MD from Morgan Stanley, but it turns out he's a lunatic too. An idiot savant. The sort of person who would reach over and take food off your lunch plate. The guy should have been selling Lamborghinis in Long Island, but instead he has a silver cart bringing tea and cookies to him each day. Anyway, Lehman had an MD-only cafe on each floor. Even if it was empty, you weren't allowed in there. Sort of like a private Bear Stearns elevator, but without the weed. With some of the other MDs absent, Brennan barges in to set up, starts passing out long pours of various miscellaneous booze, and in no time, we're all tanked. Amongst the chaos, Dale's phone rings off the hook. I think this is odd, but Brennan says everyone knows not to call Dale on St. Paddy's Day. An hour later, the phone is ringing again. I nudge Brennan. Surely it must be important. He rolls his eyes, daggers over to the phone, has a brief conversation, and then comes back to the group. Dale glares at him, asks what they wanted. Kettering says sell 100 euros. Got it, says Dale. Wait, what? FX or fixed income? Brennan tells Dale they didn't say. Dale thinks, fuck that, it's St. Patrick's Day. An hour later, someone is wearing a football helmet, and we were testing water bottles on it throwing items from the trash at whoever puts it on. Eventually, I decide I need to get out of there, and I see Dale and Brennan arguing out by the elevators. You don't know anyone named Johnny Hopkins anyway. It was Johnny Hopkins and Sloan Kettering, and they were blazing that shit up every day. Ha ha, that's so funny. The last time I heard that, I laughed so hard I fell off my dinosaur. You and your traitors are hillbillies. This is a house of learning doctorates. You're not a doctor. You're a big, fat, curly-headed fuck. I'm warning you, if you touch my helmet again, I will stab you in the neck with a knife. I was doing that because I love you. Fuck you. I teabagged your turret. Oh yeah? Well, my turret's a guy, so that makes you gay. Hey, you know what's a good trading strategy? If you lick my butthole. I'm gonna fill a pillowcase full of bars of soap and beat the shit out of you. That client over here is going to eat your dick. Client better not get in my face, because I'll drop that motherfucker. You're right. This office is a fucking prison. On planet bullshit. In the galaxy of this sucks camel dick. Hey, I got an idea. Boats and hoes. Boats and hoes. Boats and hoes. Gotta have me my boats and hoes. Boats and hoes. Boats and hoes. Gotta have me my boats and hoes.